0: This episode was brought to you by the Town of Vale, a sponsor helping to host the Vale Dance Festival in our community. I'm Rebecca King Ferraro.
2: And I'm Michael Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Thank you, everyone, for coming out here tonight for the first festival forum. Um, We are so grateful to be back here at the Bell Dance Festival, especially being that it is the 30th anniversary. My name is Michael Breeden.
0: And my name is Rebecca Ferraro, and we are here as former Miami City Ballet dancers and the hosts of the podcast Conversations on Dance. So we're recording a podcast today that will be um, live on iTunes uh, maybe later in the week. (laughs) Um, So we appreciate you guys joining us for our first of six festival forums, and we hope you'll consider joining us for more.
2: So joining us today are
0: um,
2: uh, composer Caroline Shaw and choreographer Justin Peck. They will be collaborating on a premiere that will happen next Monday, August 6th. So we'll be delving in a little bit more into their creative process. So when you guys go see the premiere next week, you're going to have all this extra insight. Um, So let's go right into it.
0: Let's do it. So before um, we get started, we want to also mention that we'll be opening the floor up for questions. So if you think of anything for the two of them, please hang on to it in your mind, and we'll um, get to it at the end. So Dustin, we're going to start with you. Uh, This is your first time choreographing for the Vail Dance Festival, and you are a dancer and resident choreographer and part of the interim director team at New York City Ballet, and not to mention you have so many works that you're looking over all around the world. So what made this particular project important for you to carve out time for
1: um, well I think one of the great things about the Vale dance festival is that um, there is this incredible amount of talent that comes together and gets to rub shoulders for a week or two um, in a relatively remote and beautiful setting mm-hmm. um, and it's something that you know I came here actually once in think it was 2012. And it was with New York City Ballet with like a moves tour. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved coming here. Uh, and so it's been about, I think, five or six years since uh, I've been and it's nice to return now, um, kind of like in a more integrated way within the festival where I get to create something new and collaborate with, uh, with dancers who I don't typically get to work with, which was a big um, attraction for me mm-hmm. to um, to this project and this festival, and then also get you know get to uh, dance a little bit and yeah, I guess just the the main interest is getting to interact with um, kind of a, a unique group of artists. Mm-hmm. You know? right. So Caroline,
2: this uh, this year you are the composer in residence, the Leonard Bernstein composer in residence. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how that selection process? Um, resulted in you being here and what Mm. made you eager to accept?
3: I think the selection process sounds very large. (laughs) (laughs) I think that um, I'm very lucky to be here and I'm really excited. Uh, I think that um, Damien Wetzel had known some of my music before and we had spoken a couple of years ago and I was able to come out um, to the festival last year just to kind of see what's going on. And I also have a, a background in playing Music for dance when I was um, fr- first moved to New York and worked as a dance accompanist as a violinist and pianist and um, so it was Where was, was that? Where did you play? I, know, I played at NYU and at Eight Ninety Broadway for a, for somebody on Wednesdays. Oh, cool! <laughs> it was great. It was really <laughs> <cool>. It's it's <coughs> I think seeing the way that dancers hear and respond to music was a huge part of my like sort of coming back and falling back in love with music. So anyway, it's a really nice. Nice to be here surrounded by this amazing collection of dancers from all over.
1: Was that like a different skill set to play for, to accompany a class? Yeah. Like is it, it's like you have to respond in the moment and all that?
3: You respond in the moment and you, you s- for it, there are certain rules and things that you need to do for, like, you know, Yeah, like meter the, and yeah. tempo and feel. A little mm-hmm. intro. Intro. Combination. Like, and that, yeah. yeah. But, but then within those rules, you can kind of shape it just a little yeah. bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: always... I mean, for dancers, you know, it's, um, music is the most important thing. It al- we always say dancing or music comes first, rather. But uh, class is the one time where it does have to flip a little bit to the other way. Mm. That um, we need certain things just to warm up our bodies. Uh, whereas, like, you know, when the conductor is playing in the pit, you're going to listen to whatever is happening no matter what. That's sure. paramount.
3: Yeah. I think that's a really important uh, thing for a musician, especially for a composer, to learn is that um, in dance class, you are not the most important person in the room. You're there to <laughs> serve the dancers. And I think it's a really beautiful uh, way of approaching
0: music. You're making something for someone to mm-hmm. live in. Yeah. So speaking um, along these lines, when often music comes first, in this case, the music didn't necessarily come first for you guys because you're collaborating on it so Justin how is that process different for you working with a composer versus selecting a piece of music that's already been created and then going about your process
1: um well it's it's obviously a much more collaborative process because Caroline's alive and (laughs) (laughs) other composers might be dead um so there is like kind of a (laughs) conversation that takes place, Mm -hmm. uh, as sort of like how, you know, we initiate the, um, the work we're embarking on together. And so that's always really fun because there's kind of like a social aspect to, um, to working together. And, um, and it's part of why I really personally, I really like working with new music and, um, and, you know, working with composers who, are uh, contributing new ideas, especially with um, kind of dance in the back of their minds. And um, and so, yeah, we just kind of, I think we wanted to work on something relatively um, simple. And so we picked, uh, we kind of picked a very straightforward, tangible concept to begin with just as like a starting point. And mm-hmm. then that sort of got the ball rolling with Um, just having, like, back and forth, and, um, and then Caroline would send me ideas, musical ideas, and I would respond to those, and, um, and a lot of it is still in flux. Actually, I think today, Caroline, like, (laughs) just was like, okay, I have to write these parts for the players now, (laughs) so they can, like, practice a little bit before, um, (laughs) before the premiere, so I think we're, like, more or less finished today with like w- the state of the music. Um, and I'll continue to work huh. on, on uh, creating the choreography for the piece. But right now um, I guess I have about a quarter of it finished. Maybe
0: you have time. A week. Uh, <laughs> Almost. No,
1: it's actually, it's a great, I mean, it's, It's nice actually working up here because it's, it's relatively low key compared to like working in an environment like New York city. So, and there is kind of uh, a beautiful focus that exists here where there's just not that much distraction. And, um, and our, I guess just like the, the world that encompasses us is, feels like smaller and more simple. And therefore we're Um, because of that, we're, we're able to, um, to concentrate and, um, and I'm also working with some really phenomenal dancers and a few dancers that I've never worked with before that I've always wanted to work with. Um, there's a, there's like a few dancers from American Ballet Theater, Mm -hmm in there, which is nice. Herman Cornejo, which is, um, he's sort of like an immaculate (laughs) ballet dancer and, um, and a wonderful human being too, I should Mm -hmm. say. He's uh, so nice. And, um, yeah. And so that's been really refreshing to, to get to, to work on for now. Right.
2: So, so Carolina, I think, uh, we want to ask something similar, uh, to you as well. Uh, so how does that affect your process that you have to sort of, um, including this choreographer, this collaborator to what you are creating as well versus a commission mm-hmm. where someone says, you know, just do do Should as you wait. please. Does anyone ever say that? <laughs> or do you always <laughs> have? <laughs> do you ever have? <laughs> you
3: Often, I, it's the most, that's the most terrifying moment. Right. Right? Yeah. No, please just tell me something. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same
2: way. Some parameters. Yeah. Yeah.
3: But I think we start, I mean, Justin said we started with a sort of tangible, um, simple, but very universal idea, which I don't know to I don't tell in us m- about in it. My, in my mind it's probably, has tr- has become something different for both of us. Yeah. <laughs> in my mind it is about um, uh, height and rising and the difference between sort of the mountains and the skyscrapers of New York City so these things, mm-hmm. you sh- have a sense of landscape that um, is, is looking up but also there's something in, in music, I love how music and chord progressions can rise and you have this sense of ascent, and sometimes it's very quick ascent, and sometimes it feels like it has a very long trajectory. So those are the things that I was kind of playing with. Mm-hmm. But also trying to make music that I felt like allowed space for um, f- space for dance and something visual to happen. So I actually didn't make something that was just hi- hyper-complicated and all over the place, because I wanted there to be space for dance. It was mm-hmm. something that I learned in playing for dance classes, actually. is As soon as you reduce it to the simplest element, like a repeated violin, pizzicato, it actually opens, it opens up a lot. And those were, that was some of the sort of thinking I had when I was writing music. Mm.
2: Do you, are your inspirations different for um, writing for music? For instance, let's say if your favorite composer someone you draw inspiration from is Beethoven, you're not going to do that for when you're creating a ballet. It doesn't right. uh, lend itself as well. Do you shift where you draw inspiration from based on project to project?
3: Yeah, very much, I think, yeah. um, well, I, I mean, actually, unusually, there's another piece on Tomorrow Night's program called Blueprint, which is um, based on a string quartet that I wrote just for a string quartet that was based on Beethoven, never intending mm-hmm. it for to be for dance, mm-hmm. and Pam Tanowitz has choreographed it, so you see this uh, kind of interesting juxtaposition of something that was not meant for dance to kind of mm-hmm. translate into that, but um, yeah, I think uh, different, uh, different kinds of pieces and situations get different kinds of inspiration for right. sure
0: so you've talked a little bit about um, how nice the environment is here in Vail but there's also a few challenges in terms of the altitude the um <laughs> 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 um, the very quick rehearsal process quick creation process um, kind of buying time everywhere so what is it do you feel that has been the most challenging and what has been the most exciting about this particular project
1: um, I think I, well for me, I can speak personally in that when I'm choreographing, I, I move a lot on my feet and it's a, it's a combination of, uh, physical movement and, uh, and then just using words and imagery to, uh, draw certain things out of the dancers or, um, bring a quality to, to the movement. And I'll just like be trying to, Tackle that simultaneously, and then I'll just, like, fall short of breath. <laughs> 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 One second. <laughs> One second. Yeah. Um, talking so, and dancing
0: well, is hard to do both, talking and dancing yeah, at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, That's
1: what I'm realizing here. But, um, what was the other part of the question? It was about <laughs> what is what's some good about benefits? it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best. Oh, yeah. I well, I also, you're saying, difficult. like, the short working period. I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of, like... It's sort of ingrained in me to work quickly. Uh, that's just mm. the school I grew up in. I working at the New York Choreographic Institute and, and at New York City Ballet. There, things move at a very fast pace, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, that's just um, that's just how my process has, or where my process has developed. And um, and I think there's a, there's quite a bit of. Um, time spent alone uh to organize and to plan a bit and to start to like envision what the shape is of a work before I get into the studio with dancers and um yeah it's 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 actually it's interesting I feel like it's kind of like interesting having the two of us here because we were just talking about um just like how different it is to work I think as a choreographer and as a composer and how Mm -hmm. sometimes like i mean and for me there's definitely moments of solitude and working alone and mm-hmm. i think there's probably like more so i mean unless i'm mistaken for composers to be like working on their own to mm-hmm. um to generate material and um and then you know for i think for choreographers there is that second step where um where there's the again, the like social aspect of interacting with dancers and the chemistry that occurs between the choreographer and the dancers uh, in the moment to to shape the work. And yeah, I wonder. Yeah, we were
0: talking about that a little bit before we started recording and you were asking each other kind of about the process and how it differs in that way, being a little more on your own or in the studio with dancers.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm always, I'm so curious about how different, choreographers work and I was asking Justin about this how much there's so much um that one can create in this in the studio with dancers but also there's a certain amount of shaping and probably imagine sort of large concept designing that happens before and for for writing music for me I mean it differs with difference differs with different projects um uh, sometimes I'm able to actually work in a studio if that's in the more pop music realm where mm-hmm. you can create things on the fly and I really like that and I think I'm similar to Justin, like I, I work, I can work really quickly and at the last minute and I love the way that that sort of the place where that puts your brain, deadlines. <laughs> 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 but but um, also there's a lot of large concept designing that happens very much by myself. Um, far before any note is written down. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm. Can we go back and talk a little bit more about your collaborative process? Mm-hmm. Uh, in that, I'm wondering, you guys are still speaking different languages. Are there ever um, points where, Justin, you might say, this just isn't really danceable danceable music. We need to do something else here. Or would you ever say... Um, you know, what you're asking me isn't going to make musical sense if we take it this direction. Not even necessarily with one another, but mm-hmm. in general, with the idea of um, collaborating across art forms like that. Have you ever run into situations where you've had to um, work out some issues like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is, this <laughs> situation's been uh, pretty seamless, mm-hmm. I think, because Caroline really understands dance, and she's worked, she's been around dance a lot. Um, and... Uh, yeah the music feels to me like a wonderful canvas to build off of um, but yeah I've definitely run into those moments uh, I'm thinking there was a, a ballet I did called the Decalogue at New York City Ballet last season and that was a commission with Sufie and Stevens and he wrote a piece for piano and there were I think there were one or two movements where I asked him to uh, write something new um but he you know he's he's also someone who really like understands and respects dance through the process of mm-hmm. being around it um especially recently and so and he's also very prolific so he, it was not like an issue it's i mean it's kind of part of the process it's right. it's never usually like perfect from the mm-hmm. get go so so yeah there's kind of a back and forth with all that
0: yeah i would imagine that's the same for you, no matter whether you're doing a ballet commission or not, you're always going back and redoing things for yourself or trying to find something else. Um, So can you tell us, give us a little bit of a preview of some things we should be looking for um, when we see the performance on (laughs) Monday night? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, there's a knowing laugh. (laughs) Yeah, I don't
1: know yet. Well, you'll see, uh, I mean, I finished a duet for uh, Jared Angle and Patricia Delgado, uh, which, um i'm excited about and um it's the second movement and i guess i'll just say more generally that the ballet the dancers will be in sneakers for this piece and it's been something that i've uh been exploring quite a bit (laughs) in my work recently working especially with ballet dancers who have such a body awareness and movement awareness um it's interesting when you take them out of a ballet slipper and you put them into a sneaker, how the focus moves away from, um, line and, uh, shape and it becomes more about energy and moving through space. It kind of Mm -hmm. gives them like a broader platform to, um, to consume space. And, uh, and so, yeah, so that's, I think you'll, you'll, hopefully you'll notice something a little bit different about, how they approach their performance within this work on stage. Um, What day is it on? Monday. 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 On Monday.
0: (laughs) 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 We checked it before. Monday. (laughs) It's
1: only two.
2: So, Caroline, you've won a Pulitzer Prize for music for Partita for Eight Voices. Mm -hmm. And, Justin, you recently won a Tony for your work on the musical Carousel. And while your creative impulse is obviously what drives you, I'm sure it's nice to get industry mm-hmm. recognition like that. Uh, how does that affect the actual art you create? Or does it?
3: Mm. It shapes it entirely. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yeah. I think I'm... I I'm, have... Uh, when I when the Pulitzer happened, it was five years ago, and I was pretty unknown as a composer. People didn't know I wrote music. I was sort of freelance violinist and singer, and um, it's definitely opened a lot of um, sort of possibilities for collaborations with people that I might not have otherwise met. I mean, mm-hmm. I, Justin for is a really good case, um, and it's I've uh, that's been something that's um, I'm grateful for.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think that's what initially like I remember reading about her Partita and. I've been listening to it kind of like on repeat since then. And mm-hmm. it's an amazing piece. And um, and I don't know, for me, it's the same. I feel like those kind of like that award recognition is similar to um, the reviews. And that if you get a, it, it, when I was first starting out, getting a good review meant that it would hopefully lead to another opportunity to choreograph. So that was, right. to me, it was like mm-hmm. the most important thing. Um, But yeah, it's, it's more like focused on getting to continue to work and hopefully getting to support yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, doing what you love and, um, and so, yeah, that's what it's really about.
2: Is it ever tempting to, um, sort of go in the same vein as what has gotten you recognition or do you actually Mm -hmm. do the opposite and say, I need to run the other direction from that and make sure I don't get stuck in one direction?
1: Um, Just try and ignore that. I think. I think not one or the other. Just Just kind of do you? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just do you. Yeah. Just like follow your instincts. Mm. Yeah. That's That's a good answer.
0: Yeah. Um, So this year is the centennial of Jerome Robbins and Leonard Bernstein, and so why is it? Why do you guys feel that it is important for us to continue to recognize such musical greats and such dance greats in our worlds? Um.
1: Well, I, I mean, I think that I've always felt that dance is, uh, an evolutionary art form. And so obviously I owe so much of what I'm creating to the greats that came before me and I learned so much from them and I just have a lot of respect for what they did. And, um, and, you know, I remember I mean, we're going to talk about Jerome Robbins. Specifically, I remember coming to New York as a kid when I was 15, going to the School of American Ballet and just getting exposed to, like, his the vast repertoire that they perform there. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, it was just such a an eye-opening moment to what choreography could be, uh, especially with his work and also the work of George Balanchine and that it could can be about the interrelation between music and movement and... Um, and that just kind of like blew my mind and i feel i feel like in hindsight like i spent 3 or 4 years just like going to the ballet and thinking about that and seeing these works and um, and once i kind of felt like i had enough of that process i found my way to have my own go at it and so yeah i feel like i, I owe a lot to those choreographers who came before and mm-hmm. artists who have came before come before
0: and Caroline for you
3: well, I have so many questions for Justin like what's the first piece you choreographed and why the answer to your question but I just you, ask. you can, uh, ask, can, that? I, can I, you ask you my first I, thing you ever
1: well I choreographed did. I guess the first like real piece I choreographed was uh f- it was called a teacup plunge <laughs> which was a mm-hmm. reference to. Um, Something that Twyla Tharp said in her book, um, in her autobiography, where she said her first piece that she did was called Tank Dive. And she um, was describing that um, the chances of making it uh, as a choreographer were equivalent to diving off of like 100 feet up uh, diving board into a teacup. And (laughs) so she called it Tank Dive. And I loved that. And so <laughs> it was just sort of like a nod to her. That's so cool. To her, and it was a duet. <laughs> it was a four-minute duet for two of my colleagues at New York City Ballet. It was so hard to make. I remember it just being really, really difficult. And mm-hmm. I finished, and I was, I, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to keep going because it was just I didn't realize how hard it was. Um,
0: was it ever performed, or it was just yeah, like it a was studio. performed. It was okay.
1: performed up uh, at up at Columbia University at the Miller Theater. And um yeah, and then I've kind of just been making I've always been working on something since then. So that was I think that was in two thousand eight. So I if I Google
3: Justin Peck teacup
0: plunge, will yeah. I find that? You'll find you might find uh <laughs> I don't know. Maybe
1: they'll be like
0: Yeah, where's the proof? Where's the we wanna see it? We'll oh find no, somebody's I've, Secret. Burned, I've burned that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we're gonna look for it uh, we're gonna God. try to find it for our social media we'll uh. put it up <laughs> yeah.
2: but now i'm curious to hear about your beginnings because i think yeah. you alluded yeah. to mm. leaving music or you said something about coming back to it through dance so what does yeah what, what does that all mean
3: well i i grew up as a very like a violinist i studied suzuki violin from age it was just basically as soon as I could hold something. Mm-hmm. I, my mom was a teacher, and my older brothers played, so I I was kind of studying violin hard hardcore. That mm-hmm. was what I was going to do. And over you know over time, when I was in college, and then I was in grad school at Yale, and I realized that like I, maybe I'm maybe this is not my path. Maybe this path that was laid out before me is actually doesn't exist. And I had written music when I was younger, when I was a kid, and I stopped in college because I wasn't quite sure what you know, where did I fit in? What is contemporary music? What would, how does this, how, how does this work? And, um, playing for, playing for dance classes, this sort of first couple of years out of school made me just love, I loved music again. It's that this is what it's about. It's what there's something, it's motion. I- there's a, an intuition in terms of how you, f- you hear and feel the music. And I just started writing again and writing for friends and writing for dancers and, um, and then it spiraled from there.
1: And how did you f- get to the Partita? <laughs>
3: Parti- oh God, that, <laughs> was, yes, that like, was that started out
1: for you. Did you do? Did you have sing- singer friends that you wanted to write for? Or?
3: Yeah, I, I there was a I sing with a group called Room Full of Teeth. Yeah, and um and we formed in two thousand nine, and it was like our first time together and the director said, you know, if anyone wants to try and write something. It's kind of like saying it's like anyone wants to choreograph, sure, you can make something for the show on Friday. Yeah. And I <laughs> and I wanted every, it was like, "Oh, it would be so cool to hear everybody in the room going like uh, and then into the most beautiful chord." So that was literally the seed of the whole piece and then every summer I kind of wrote a little bit more and I was really thinking about dance a lot. It's called Partita. It's based on these Baroque dance forms. Mm. But it wasn't really meant for a choreographer to, to, to make dance to. But it was in my mind, I will never get to be a choreographer. Mm. But I get to like, construct this thing with music. So mm. that's, I was sort of thinking about motion and, um, and staging and foreground and background and
0: gravity the whole time. So beautiful. Yeah. So we touched on your beginnings. But what is next for both of you? <laughs> or can you say? Like That's maybe my a premiere d- on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, what's next? Um, I'm actually doing a really interesting project in a couple weeks. I'm going to work with um, Mikhail Barishnikov um, on a, a solo for him uh, for his. Um, he has an art center in New York and it's just kind of a small side thing, but it's kind of terrifying because he's obviously he's a legend in (laughs) dance and, um, and he's, he's, uh, he's at an older age, but he's still like very physical. Um, and so I think that will be, Interesting to be in the studio with him. Have you started so, it yet, or no. it's just coming up? And it's a, actually it's set to a Bernstein piece. Oh, okay. So, a yeah. piece. Um, it's a brass quintet. Cool. Yeah, which is a really um, neat piece that uh, it's not very well known, but uh, Bernstein wrote it as kind of like a little tribute to um, uh, figures in the dance world. So each movement. Like one's for Agnes, one's uh, for Anthony, one's for Misha, one is for Balanchine, and one's for uh, Robbins. Wow, yeah. That's cool. yeah, and they're short, they're like 40 seconds oh. each oh. or something. Oh, that's yeah, cool. yeah.
0: Cool. well, we so. have to talk after this because we want him on the podcast. So, you got <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. I'll put in a good word. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. We appreciate it, <laughs> Caroline. For you, what's next? Um,
3: for me. It's The Fallsbury TVD, I may end up making this kind of weirdo new pop album with a friend of mine, but mostly it's going to be writing a piano concerto for Jonathan Biss, which is going to be premiered in um, Seattle in January, and a couple of other sort of orchestra things, which I've I've avoided orchestra because it's a big, giant, large organism that mm-hmm. is unwieldy. For sure. <laughs> but <laughs> I thought, you know, 2018-19, that's the season to, to dive into that there world. There you go. Yeah. Wonderful. Cool.
2: What is it that keeps you going back and forth between different uh, musical types? Like, do you do you ever find it? Do you find that those two, like something more classically oriented, can inspire pop, and vice versa?
3: Um, yeah, I hope th- I hope they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, if you keep, I, I always try to sort of. I mean, they're not they're not that unrelated. Some mm-hmm. of the logistics of the different worlds are c- quite different, um, but. Uh, there's just, I'm always learning, there's always something to learn from everybody I work with, so I'm just trying to, like, figure out as much as I can. Yeah, Yeah. Great.
2: I think with that, we could open it up to questions.
0: Absolutely. Yes, right right here. Is, Justin, is there a
1: difference working with the New York City ballet dancers who've already performed your work and the dancers from ABT? Yeah, there is a difference um, in that I feel like there's, there's been a pretty extensive working relationship that has built over time with, um, especially the New York City ballet dancers who are here at the festival. Um, so they work, they kind of get the movement a little bit uh, faster than the dancers from other companies that are in the piece, but um, it's sort of normal. And it's actually, it's it's interesting to see how, um, how they interpret the movement because they have different backgrounds of training Mm. and, um, but it's, it's, it's kind of great because they all, you know, rub off on one, one another and they learn from one another and they're exposed to something different. And, um, so yeah, I think it's, it's shaping the piece a bit, but you know, it's, it's also, it's also a, less about f- working like company versus company and more about like finding those really special dancers, um, from with- within each. And like working with e- Ehrman has been like mm-hmm. kind of oh. just transcendent cause he's, <laughs> he's just a, he's just such a special dancer. And, um, and so that's been really s- a seamless process and, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so.
0: Since there's always a back and forth between dancers and choreographers like in the studio when you're working, do you feel like because they have such different backgrounds, it's maybe changing the piece a little bit and some of the choreography? Yeah, you're choosing to sure.
1: Do? Yeah, I think like um, half of it is how the dancers interpret the movement and how they what they do with it, how, you know, how they perform it, whether they're behind it, you know, if they believe in it, um, it's like there's a moment where it essentially kind of like becomes theirs. So, um, so I think it's like important for them to take ownership of that. And, um, and it's the type of thing where like, you know, when you go out to dinner with friends or family or acquaintances, like the dynamic of the dinner is going to differ depending on who's sitting at the table. So if you have like a table of six and you're with your family, you might have like, one sort of vibe to it or if you're at a table with your friends it'll have a different sort of vibe or maybe there's like someone you never met before and they're there mm-hmm. and it changes like what you talk about it's like the same thing for um working in the studio on a new on a new dance is the people there are really gonna influence the outcome mm-hmm. sure
0: Good. any other questions right here
1: on Broadway a few days before it opened. So first of all, congratulations
0: on a very well deserved
1: Tony Award. <laughs> Thank you. Um,
0: second of all, I'm kind of curious how you got into uh, like Broadway choreography. Yeah. Um, and like, was that something that you always knew that you wanted to do, or
3: did you just want to stick more to the um, like classical, yeah. not theater
1: scene? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I I kind of always dreamed about working in theater, um, and eventually working on Broadway. Um, I found my way to dance through theater. When I was a kid, I used to come to New York a lot with my family and just see a lot of musicals, uh, every summer we would go on a trip. And so that was like my first exposure to dance. And that's what inspired me to begin dancing. Um, spe- more specifically seeing the tap dancer, Savion Glover, perform in a show called bringing the noise, bringing the funk. And, um, And so I actually started with tap and theater dance when I was growing up and I did um, a bunch of like local theater in California and somehow like, you know, found myself in the ballet world and off on that track and, um, came to SAB, the School of American Ballet. Um, and eventually was invited to join New York City Ballet and, uh, like, entered the world of choreography through ballet, but in the back of my mind, I was always very interested in theater, and went to see a lot of theater, and, um, always hoped of working in theater, and I think that's another, uh, precedent that was just, like, tying this back is another precedent that was really set by, you know, both Jerome Robbins and George Balanchine, that they were, you know, uh, ballet choreographers, but had... Mm -hmm so much experience working in theater um and working in broadway and um and so i kind of i i would like to do more with that and um and ideally i i you know in a perfect world i'd like to model my way of working after what jerome robbins did which was a little bit of both like working in ballet and um and working in theater and so we'll see Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Correct me if I'm
2: wrong, but did you not appear in a musical theater production while still at the School of American Ballet? (laughs) I did. (laughs)
1: Tell us about it. I was injured when I... I had a surgery when I was a student. Um, And so I was basically like injured for the good part of a year and... It was my senior year of high school, and we went to I went to the perform, uh, Professional Performing Arts School, and there's different majors there, so there's, yeah. I live right next to that. Oh, there you yeah. go. <laughs> All right. Um, and so, yeah, and so I had a lot of friends in the theater department, and when the musical came up, uh, they were going to do Into the Woods that year, and so I auditioned. And I ended up getting a part, so I played one of the princes in Into the Woods when I was a senior. <laughs> oh. And so it was kind of cool. Like, all the ballet people came out to Aww. support, and <laughs> it was, like, a nice crossover moment. And I actually loved going to school there, and I loved my class, and so it was a nice way to get to interact with them um, in, like, a much more thorough, like, on-campus way. That's fun. Next <laughs> question right here. you were forced to work more slowly, Mm. (laughs) however it, like,
2: that's a great question, yeah, great question,
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I can answer it, because I haven't had that feeling of the big expanse of time and no deadlines for a a few years now, Mm. but I can think that there's, there are a couple of projects in my mind that I, sort of larger, that I want to do, that I aren't commissioned, there's no deadline for them, and I haven't gotten them done, because. It's really, uh, you've reminded me of that, and and <laughs> maybe I need to um, sort of tighten, put a little pressure on those hmm. things. I, mm-hmm. I think the sort of the time constraints and the pressure it just creates a, maybe it creates a slightly different kind of work, but I've actually found that it can help clarify ideas for myself a little bit quicker, and if I get too bogged down, um, it it gets a little bit too close to the page. So I always think of composition, you get a little bit too close to a detail and you miss the, what's the phrase, you miss the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. But um, you reminded me of something that's very important to me, and thank you.
2: (laughs) I I think that's interesting. Uh, Every guest we've ever spoken to, when this comes up, they they're all on the same page about um time no one wants too much of it right like um i feel like chris whilden said he make, he's mm. made his worst work when he's given it's unlimited budget and um twilight <laughs> has said that um her worst work was done when she had her largest budget and that her best work was done when she had almost no time and i maybe had to do, you know mm. like leftover costumes and not her dancers that she wanted to pick and and she was proud of that. So maybe there's something to be said for having that kind of yeah. pressure.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Uh, other questions? Yes, right here. On the flip side. <laughs> <laughs> how
1: about when you have an extremely small amount of time like you have next Monday? <laughs> and you're still developing choreography. Um, how does that affect the say complexity or richness or, I don't know what the right adjecture is in the work you have to create? Because you have to create the work, they have to learn it and you have to internalize mm-hmm. it in a very short period of time. Yeah. Well, they're pros for sure. Like they can really, it's, it's, it's even, I mean, even for me to witness it, it's impressive how quickly they can acquire the, um, the movement and the details and then present it back to me, like at a performance level. Um, and that's like the beauty of this festival and, uh, Damien Wetzel bringing in just like the best talent, I think from all over to work here. Um, and to me, it doesn't feel like uh, too different from the pace of um, how I work at New York City Ballet. So it doesn't, it doesn't feel too jarring to me, but I could see how it might be challenging for a choreographer who's used to working a bit slower. You know, they say that um, uh, Balanchine would make a minute of choreography per hour, for one hour, and Jerome Robbins would make a minute of choreography per, for five hours of work. So, you know, everyone's got a different pace of how they work. Um, And I was just thinking about like time constraints. I was thinking about uh, working on carousel because that offered like the widest spectrum of time constraints where um, I was lucky to be working with a producer who gave me um, a really vast amount of time and space to Work on developing the dance content um within that show. And I think that it really um took the show in a unique direction as far as a revival of carousel goes, and that it became a very dance forward mm-hmm. um production, which was great. Um, but then there were also moments where, you know, I worked on a number in the show called June for maybe several weeks and then we got to previews and something wasn't working about it. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we need a new number tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, what about those five weeks that I was working on this? And now all of a sudden I got to do something in 24 hours. And then I'm like up at seven in the morning, like in a dance studio. And that actually, that version ended up being much better. And so it's like, you know, it's, it's really hard to say that whether, time there's like a consistency with um whether a certain amount of time will turn out better work mm-hmm. so mm-hmm.
2: you mentioned that you are interested in doing more in theater as well are, are there certain shows that you would particularly like to work on or put your voice into
1: um i am i want to develop original content mm-hmm. i think that's the next thing i w- would like to focus on um i think that there. are is not a lot of, um, dance as movement of storytelling, Mm -hmm. uh, happening on Broadway right now. A lot of the choreography I see is more like, um, decorative or it sort of like Mm. supports the show from the outside or the experience from the outside. And, um, I'd be, um, interested in exploring, uh, you know, storylines that really, have dance um as being imperative to the narrative and um so that's sort of where my head's at i mean it's easier said than done cuz mm-hmm. obviously it's it's a it's a really hard thing to do and it's a really long process to develop something like that but um but yeah we'll see i'll I'm planning to channel some of my energy into that next
0: yes over here it's okay. <laughs> well we'll get both of you. So no you choose one first and the next one. So being a composer and choreographer is different than a musician and a dancer. Mm. So do you find opportunity or does opportunity find you for work? Mm. Like are you sought after or are you trying to
2: do your own thing?
3: Ideally it's a it's a mix of both things. Um, In in my last couple of years, I think I've been a little bit uh, too passive in sort of doing my work, which I I really enjoy assignments and different sort of challenges and the different situations that come up, and writing for one singer versus another singer is always interesting, but I kind of was really resonating with what Justin just said about, I would really like to create sort of original content, theatrical content, something that, where I've had some kind of hand in the design of the seeds, the foundation of the production. But that takes an enormous amount of time and also c- confidence, which I don't... I have a lot of confidence in, but I'm sort of missing some in other areas. And I think um, that that's would be the next step. Yeah. But also you mentioned something about sort of the difference between being a composer, musician, and a choreographer and dancer. And I think we share something we're both... Justin's a dancer and I'm very much a performing musician. So we bring a lot of that into the work that we're designing and creating. And I, th- it's, I think it's a, it feels like a real advantage as a, as a composer to get to do that and also get to be around a lot of musicians that I'm working with. So hopefully the work comes kind of organically from those
0: experiences. Yeah. Same. <laughs> same <laughs> is, same series, yeah. <laughs> All right, then the other question. What
3: you see when you create music and when you hear music. Mm. Um, I I could talk to you about that forever because I lo- I love thinking about music not as music but as these visual sort of d- different kinds of things. I think about color and you know f- flavor is part of it too. But um, when I'm writing, if I'm writing this, for instance, this piece for dance for Justin, I wasn't thinking about oh this m- kind of movement would go with this thing. It's more of was thinking of where are moments of punctuation, and where are moments of space? So I think about, um, I've been lately in the last year or so, been interested in writers, writers of essays and novels and poetry and how they think of syntax and space and pacing and where, um, when you pause when you're saying something, what, what is the meaning of that moment? So rhetoric, really.
0: Interesting. Any other questions? Anyone else? Thank you. Here?
1: Back to when you both talking about ideas, did the music come first, and then the idea with the music, or vice versa? Um, well, I guess that like that initial seed of an idea that we spoke about came first, and then the music uh, came out of that, and um, and then I responded to the music. That's sort of the order. Yeah, this was
3: probably a fairly straightforward music. First dance. Yeah. Although I, you know, I finished some things this morning. So yeah. after <laughs> having seen seen something of what you were doing, actually, I love seeing the knowing that if I write still music, it will actually what you created was these like beautiful, beautiful twisting designs, things that you're choreographing choreographing with Herman yeah. that are so active and uh, I was saying it's like sort of logical and emotional at the same time. And we got to show th- you
1: the ending. Got to show, show you the ending. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't wait yeah, to see cool. it. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been, yeah. it's been for me. It's like I think it's easier because I get to. Well, my philosophy as a choreographer is the music comes first, and so I get. I'm lucky that I get to respond to that. But I feel like composers often have to start from nothing and just write <laughs> something. Right. That was like, really hard to compose. <laughs> <laughs> like out of the ether, and so I think, yeah, I think that's really challenging and admirable. And it's like, it's, it's the hardest job. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and to piggyback, off that, to piggyback off that, what are your first steps after you get the music? Is it very visual or what are your first steps?
1: Um, yeah, it can, I, it can be visual immediately. Um, I think the best moments are when you start to see movement or see images. Uh, from the get-go um but it, you for me the process is um i, I start with just listening on repeat uh, sometimes i'll look at a score just for um to see how they uh wrote the piece rhythmically and for certain if it's like orchestral you can kind of like see what specifically there are writing with it Um, Mm. and then I'll just uh, once I like become very familiar with the music uh, I'll go into the studio and start moving around a little bit by myself Um, and uh, so it's there's a physical response to it and um, and then following that is working with dancers
0: we have time for one more Last one back here Ooh, in the back. Okay. A, a question. So, where will the piece that you're doing with Misha be performed? Mm. Great
1: question. That'll be at a special benefit for the Barishkoff Arts Center. So I don't know if it's open to the public, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I actually don't know the details of it so much. I'm just like excited to work with him, but uh, it's, it's like a one-off thing. Yeah, it's cool. Wonderful. So,
0: well, thank you all for joining us, and thank you, Justin and Caroline, for being here with us. Yeah, thank you. So guys, Thanks. Thank, thank you. you.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us for this special episode from the Vale Dance Festival. While we are here in Vail, we will be recording live events like this one, and recording interviews with festival artists. Subscribe to Conversations on Dance through Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app to be notified when new content from Vale is published. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for behind the scenes content. This episode was brought to you by the Town of Vale, a sponsor helping to host the Vale Dance Festival in our community.